0: The best rugby insight and analysis, OTB Sports Rugby.
1: They don't look like the All Blacks, they're not playing like the All Blacks, they're barely clinging on. They never really looked like they would win Test two or three.
0: Subscribe to the Rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.
1: Rugby on Off The Ball.
0: With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.
1: You are very welcome back to Off the Ball. It is time for us to look forward to Ireland's two game series against Japan in the women's rugby. It's a bit of a bonus for Greg McWilliams side uh, to be able to secure these two games. A very experimental looking squad, uh, which he has brought to Japan as well uh, to get experience. They would, of course, have been hoping to go to the World Cup as opposed to being preparing for these games and then having a bit of a layoff before the Six Nations next year. But important to get a run out considering they haven't played since the end of this season's uh, Six Nations almost four months ago. I'm delighted to say that we've got Fiona Hayes with us. how are you getting on?
0: I'm good, Will. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of these new players in action. You know, when uh, when you bring over um, half a dozen uncapped players who are no doubt going to get some game time over these two games, that's what Greg McWilliams really wants to use this series for. In a way, when he was coming in, he had to make sure that they were competitive in the Six Nations. That was the first goal. There's a bit of room for experimentation over these two matches now in Japan.
0: Yeah, and it's exciting. And, you know, even when the squad was released, there was a few names I, I didn't even know. You know, we had, um, I think we've two girls that were previously capped by England before. But with that new rule, um, I think it's three years they can uh, play with a different country. And I think they they might have grandparents or something from Ireland. So look, it was kind of, when I saw the squad, I was going, wow, there's there's a lot of youngsters in here. But it's exciting for them. And I suppose it's brilliant as well, as you said, Will, that it's on TG4 and we get to have a look at it.
1: Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at the start of the outset and then TG Carr announced it, I think, around about the day the team were flying out. It was like, we will have both games available free to air, which is great because otherwise you would have been scraping around to try and get a, a stream to try and look at this because we get to see those players now. Who are you looking forward to seeing over this tour now, Fiona? Is, uh, probably slowly but surely a new regime starts to emerge now into next year.
0: Yeah, so, so Will, I, I suppose what I was saying kind of earlier is that you know we haven't seen anyone really stand up and put their hand up as leaders. Obviously, we've Nicola Friday as captain, but we've had a few retirements, so so I'm really excited at seeing, especially in the front row area, area we've seen Neve Jones kind of excel during the Six Nations, so she's going to be game on to try and nail down her set piece. Her play around the pitch was brilliant, and even the, the loose and tight head props, it, it's been kind of chopping and changing. I'm looking forward to seeing Katie O'Dwyer and also so um, we have Nicole Crone and as well as another player who I think has a chance to put their hand up in that 10 jersey.
1: Yeah, and that's the benefit in these extra couple of games here because combinations in a way probably have to be found along the way and it's going to be A new look at centre, guaranteed now at this stage after Sandy Nepu announced her retirement. We're kind of wondering, Fiona, when she wasn't involved in the squad at the start of the Six Nations, if maybe she was out of favour or had already made the decision to retire and then she came back in at the end of the Six Nations. We know now that she's dropping out of the Irish squad and I was even just reading some of the quotes from her teammates from earlier today and they were talking about what an important influence she has been as a leader and passing on the knowledge to some of the young centres that have been coming into the squad over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It's it's really disappointing that she didn't get to that 50 caps because I, I really think she deserved it. But She's left the jersey in a much better place. And, you know, I think Greg came in with the idea of maybe starting afresh because um, the centre partnership probably hadn't really formed in the last couple of years. There's people chopping and changing. So when he came in, I think he wanted to try a couple of the sevens players. And he realised then when they left that he needed uh, Sene back in there. And she came in and what a job she did for the last two games. But it's 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 what she brings around the training environment in the camp. I've played with her myself. She's she's just super positive. She's always willing to to pass on her trade to the younger guys. There's, you know, she doesn't view them as a threat. It's more like, how can she leave her knowledge behind? And and I think she's done that, and it's time for her now to push on in her career. And she's left some of the girls, even Enya Breen spoke today about her influence. And I know a lot of the young, young centers especially have massive respect for her.
1: Yeah, and look, she came in here on the residency rule to qualify uh, back now, this is seven years ago, and has been such an Mm -hmm. important player, really, for, you know, important on the sevens team, too, when she played on the seven circuit, but particularly for the 15s team, particularly important for Leinster, where she'd been the captain in recent seasons of the team, too. Um, Once that residency came through for her to play for Ireland, she put together a very impressive international career.
0: Yeah she did and I suppose she came over with George her husband originally with uh, the view of him playing a, at a high level and you know Ireland were lucky to get her then she she knuckled down and I remember her even coming in at the start she was kind of very softly spoken character but I, as as she got more involved and got into it you could see her, her enthusiasm and her excitement and she brings that everywhere she goes and she brought it on the pitch especially big big ball carrier and you know those last two games as I said when, when things you know Greg had to go back and maybe and ask her to, to come in and she went straight in from not being involved in the squad to two to, to starting um, two starting team positions. so it shows how important she is and especially to the people that play around her when there was new girls in there.
1: Yeah, and I suppose in a way, it's naturally the end of a cycle. And I remember we would Seni on with us on OTBM last year, and she was talking about staying around after she'd had some treatment, um, particularly around her neck, and that she wanted to get to the 50 mm-hmm. caps. That was something she really wanted to do. She was even talking about that at the time, and she was about 10 short, I think, at that stage. And she did stay around. But for a lot of the players who've probably stepped away, and as you mentioned, a huge amount of experience has gone, particularly in the forwards over the last year, I would think a lot of them were planning the cycle around getting to a World Cup later this year so naturally you probably don't want to stay around beyond what would have been a World Cup year if that makes sense
0: yeah, that's perfectly it. You know, you saw even watching the girls when they didn't qualify, you could see their own motion. I suppose I knew um, looking at who's who that, you know, that they're not just upset, obviously not making a World Cup, but that's the end of an era for them because they, they're letting go. So it's it's the natural progression and Ireland had not made a World Cup squad. So, you know, I, I suppose Sene at the time was in that kind of limbo to get to the 50 caps or, or was it her time to go? But when she was needed, she came back in and especially in this forward group, I'm looking now and, and I'm seeing the, the amount of caps and I'm adding them up. And it's, it, it's so, so small when you think of past teams. But that's what this test is about. And this is what November will be about. It's, it's so exciting for Greg to have this blank canvas and be able to paint and, and go wherever where he wants to go with it now.
1: Yeah, and look, as well, you rip away particularly Kira Griffin and Claire Malloy in recent seasons. That's a huge amount of caps gone from the pack before. Um, you even take a look down, as you say, on you know, a very small amount of players who've got in excess of 10 caps that are available in the forwards right now. A player who's not been selected, Cleena Maloney, who's made the move to go over to England as well, Were you surprised to see her not come back in? I mean, I remember talking to Greg McWilliams when the first squad was picked after her comments and he was saying that it was on sporting grounds that she hadn't been picked and it definitely wasn't a punishment for her speaking out previously. But now there's a bit of water under the bridge and there's been a bit of time. Did you expect her to come back in for this tour of Japan?
0: I did I I watched her play I watched the uh, English Premiership I thought she was playing excellent rugby over at Wasps you know they they hold her in high regard over there so her coaching her coaching staff over there couldn't understand it either. Um, I thought she would have added something to the environment, but obviously Greg came in and, and he made that decision and that was fine. And she probably hasn't played a lot of rugby since the Six Nations. Obviously, it was the wind down of the premiership and Wasps probably didn't do as well as, as, as they wanted to do and didn't get into the, the finals of those games. So he, he didn't see her enough, I would imagine. Um, It's she's a player that just adds kind of aggression on the pitch um, and we saw Neve Jones and she started to fill into that role a little bit we saw her with our big carries and her massive hits so I think if if Neve hadn't probably played to the ability that she was playing at Greg might have had to go back to the drawing board and had a look around that area but she was just outstanding in that Six nations especially physicality wise and clean as a player who definitely brings physicality.
1: Yeah, it's just hard to believe she's not among, say, the top two choices to potentially play um, hooker for the country. But look, maybe she'll get back in. I know she was uh, particularly um, devastated not to make the Six Nations squad earlier this year. But we'll see maybe if she's getting regular rugby uh, now with the extra chiefs to see how she gets on um, in the season to come. Um, in terms of this uh, actual tour, I guess the backdrop fit in a way as well, Fiona. The professional contracts yep. that are about to come in, which is seen as a very important, and very progressive step. And it's something Nicola Friday was talking about uh, last week, too is that if Ireland are going to close the gap with the top teams, and you particularly look at the Six Nations, the benefit of some of the partial contracts that have been handed out in some of the countries, and particularly the way that England have gone full-time and France have got a lot of their players centrally contracted too, mm. if they're going to close the gap, this is a crucial step.
0: Yeah, this is a crucial step. And the thing about it, Will, is it has to be done correctly. So, you know obviously England um, have kind of looked at this and they're, they're the, the team everyone aspires to be I suppose at the minute and how they've, how they've built their league up and how the players are, are able to play at their league at home and and then go on and, uh, and and move into that England camp seamlessly so I think Greg and the RFU they're going to have to look at how we as the country are going to be able to do that will the players have to move up centrally up to Dublin That if that happens that's going to affect the league and, and affect the games that players are getting week in week out so it it's going to be very hard for them to have a path I'm sure they have an idea of where they want to go but um, it has to be correct because for such a small country you know it's we we can see the rest of the world is pulling apart and we saw that by non-qualification to the World Cup but I think by the RFU staying given these contracts as well as obviously the 7 having contracts they're making a statement that they, they want to invest in the game and they want to get to a place where where we won't be sitting at home watching other teams playing the World Cup again.
1: Yeah, I appreciate this is kind of um, an all-encompassing question, but you get to see things at the grassroots at the moment. When it comes Mm -hmm. to the pathway for player development, what would your preference be in finding a balance between getting the best possible rugby for the international players, but also perhaps, as you say, not diluting down or ripping away from the standard of the National League?
0: Yeah, so like I'm, I'm a bit biased on that, I suppose, because I, you know, I I love the AIL. I, I watch it. I've played it. I, 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 that's how we came developed when I was playing rugby. you, You were spotted in AIL. It probably hasn't been that way in a few years, you know. Obviously, players are seen up at a monster level. So, so I think they have to really, um, they have to really look at. Who, uh, instead of getting everybody up in Dublin, maybe investing the in players, moving them to different clubs to make the league competitive? You know, I, I'm i down in Ballin Colleague, I'll put my hand up and say there's probably a top four in the league that are, are really competitive against each other, and the rest probably don't compete at that high level and don't give those teams good games so if we can get the, the league you know really competitive it brings the best out of players and if they can do that in their league and then in their cup and then I suppose from that be picked to move up to a Munster level and then you get to go up to Ireland you know and you have the correct coaches in place and all levels AIL Munster and up at Ireland I think that that probably is the best path that I, I personally think would be would be good system for Ireland to go on
1: It'll be very interesting to see what happens if central contracts are to come in over the next while and the RFU will have to make determinations on who gets them and how it's spread across the sevens and fifteens program and all that but when they do hand the contracts out it'll be interesting what happens with some of the more high profile Irish players that have gone abroad over the last couple of years and almost been actively encouraged to do so. I'm thinking of Linda Dugang going to France and Nicola Freud, even the Ireland captain, has uh, gone to play a bit with Exeter over the last while. Whether the Mm -hmm. idea would be to try and retain those central players within the country here or whether they'll still be encouraged to go and get top level rugby elsewhere.
0: Yes, yeah, that's the question that's uh, playing on my mind as well. You know, I'm watching, even looking at the the squad that's come come in. There's a lot of players that are that are playing, gone over to Japan that aren't playing rugby in Ireland. You know, and if we want to, if we want to develop the league and make it the best it can be, you're you're going to have. To maybe look at those contracts being players based in Ireland, I'm not sure if that's the way they're going to go about it. You know, obviously the Premiership is is at a high level and it's already established, and you know you're getting good rugby week in week out. So it's it's going to be really interesting in how they do it. And I and I suppose if if you're handing out contracts, will the sevens players that that enter that 15 set up? Will they have to play a certain amount of games with their clubs, or can they go from sevens directly into 15s? There's The kind of issues behind all that that the RFU will have to look at and I suppose map out really clear for everybody. So when those squads get together, they know exactly what's going on and there's no one kind of annoyed about anything because everybody's playing rugby and they, they all have the one goal in mind.
1: Yeah, and look, the players are naturally going to say as well, Fiona, that, you know, they enjoy playing, whether it's for the sevens or fifteens and mm-hmm. they're going to be versatile. But you and I have had this conversation before where you've got players, maybe you haven't played in a certain position at fifteens. They've been at sevens for quite some time and then they end up coming into fifteens and having to adapt to a new position, which is not easy to do on the fly when there are so few competitive games as well. I think that's something they really have to look at and streamline as well.
0: Yeah, and look, these players are absolutely outstanding and they're so skillful and they're they're just amazing to watch and they're fit and they're fast and, you know, they're full-time athletes. But if we want to compete with the best in the world... We have to, like I'm looking at England, I'm looking at France, they don't mix and match really that much. There might be one really good player that does it. And it's because the players, when it comes to 15s, Robbie, they're immersed in it, they're playing every position, be it inside centre, outside centre. I mean, it's played very, very differently. And if you're not playing that, learning your trade week in, week out, it's very hard to just to, to slot in and be exceptional in these few games that happen every year.
1: Yeah, we'll see how these uh, combinations of players work out uh, when we watch the game this weekend. As you say, it's live on TG Car, Japan against Ireland, uh, the first of a two-game test series. Um, Before I to go, Fiona, just something um, I know you're a keen watcher, particularly of uh, New Zealand. You like watching Southern Hemisphere rugby in a more general sense as well. A bit of life breathing back into the rugby championship with the All Blacks win against South Africa at the weekend. And that victory for the All Blacks as well had to be a massive lift in pressure for Ian Foster and his coaching team particularly.
0: Yeah, huge pressure off. I know they're going to make a decision. You know, he was told that his job obviously wasn't guaranteed after that win and they'll make a decision on that again. But I think the, the thing that stuck out in my mind the most after that New Zealand game was watching Sam Kane after the game. And he was almost crying to see the emotion coming out of him. It just really enforced the type of pressure that he's on over in that country as the captain of the team. You know, he's followed the likes of Kieran Reid, Richie McCoy. And it's, it's very, very hard and he's constantly been looked at and, you know, compared to other players and, like, They aren't, you know, they're obviously not the the All Blacks that we've seen in the past. But what I will say is the world have caught up, you know, and uh, teams are are so good. And to be able to produce that performance week in, week out, like the All Blacks are almost asked to have their media and their people at home. It's very, very hard. I think it takes a bit of pressure off them, but not so much because they're obviously looking at this World Cup and, you know, on how they're performing they will definitely not win a World Cup. With, and whether that's kind of internally got to do with the players or the and staff, we don't know. But it was definitely a sigh of relief for the, the All Blacks. But it was also really, really good for the game because I thought the week before South Africa, I, uh, while I enjoy watching them, I thought, you know, they slow down the game like they usually do. We saw a lot of kicking. And, you know, I think the All Blacks came to life last week. And it was good to see that offload game. And those hard runners, they have a lot to fix. But I think their skill set was getting better and better, as we saw last week.
1: Yeah, no big saw that. I think for Ian Foster, was the last roll of the dice with Bowden Barrett not starting the game. If it had been gone south, the media would have been mm. all out for him on Monday morning. Fiona, great to catch up with you as always.
0: Nice one. Thanks a mill, Will.
1: And don't forget as well that rugby here and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, proudly supporting the Irish women's rugby team on their summer tour of Japan. We all belong to the team of us.